Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Yes, it's Success in Accounting with me, Rob Brown, on behalf of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network. Remember, we have shows going out every single day, work day of the week. On Mondays, this is our Success in Accounting show. On Tuesdays, Insights in Accounting with Martin Bissett and myself, combing through the news, giving you the relevant articles and key takeaways for you accountants, bookkeepers, finance leaders in practice. Then on Wednesdays, we have our deep dive interview show. It's called Influencers in Accounting. You'll have to go to your podcast apps, platforms, channels, and get these recordings. They're all over the place. And thank you for listening. On Thursday, it's our Best Practice in Accounting show. That's where we take the nuggets from many years of consulting and real life stories that really work in the accounting world. And Friday is our UK focused show, UK Matters in Accounting, pretending that the UK is the center of the accounting universe. And we're featuring a series of live interviews from Accountex 2022. It is one of the biggest events in the world. And everybody who was anybody was there. But we have a very special treat for you in this week's show because we're going back to the International Accounting Forum and Awards event that took place in 2022, just a few months ago at the Waldorf Hotel in London. This was run by the International Accounting Bulletin, who do the rankings and surveys for associations and networks in the accounting space and produce some excellent articles and thought leadership pieces. And we are doing a deep dive, one interview with Mark Koziel, president and CEO of Alineal Global. Mark is such an incredible character. He did a great keynote presentation, really took the event by the scruff of the neck when it happened. And I was there chairing and introducing him at the time. We did a panel also afterwards. And uh, Mark talked about uh, firm transformation in a post-pandemic world. And we touch on that a little bit in his interview here because the pandemic has caused many firms to rethink their strategies and transformation is absolutely necessary for firms that want to grow and survive. Uh, Mark breaks down some of the opportunities presented to firms today. He's very big on advisory, supply stuff, environmental and social governance. He talks about advisory, client accounting, technology services, and he discusses practically how firms are overcoming these challenges and staying top of mind. He's a great speaker, very passionate about the profession. He's served in a number of senior roles all over the world. This is really worth listening to. And I got a bit of extended time with Mark, which was a blessing. It's really worth listening to what he's got to say. So enjoy the show and we'll see you next week where who knows what will be going on. You'll have to tune in because we've come to the end of our series from the International Accounting Forum. So episode 10, which comes out on the 5th of September, we're going to have some new goodies for you and let's see where it goes. Enjoy your day and enjoy the interview. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Really fly. We're at the International Accounting Forum 2022. I'm here with Mark Koziel, President and CEO of Lineal Global. It's a very grand title, Mark. Does that fit who you are? It does not fit who I am. I mean, I am. Uh, I consider myself a subservient leader. So, a lot of great people in the in the team. So, uh, yeah, I might have that level of a title, but I have some incredible talent working with us to make it happen. That's very graciously put. And uh, we're in strange times. We, we've just been in this event together. You spoke this morning, and we ran a panel session. Just uh, brief the audience on what you spoke about with your talk, Mark. We talked about firm transformation post-pandemic, right? And you and I have kidded about this before that 
that transformation has been happening for a long time. The pandemic didn't create it. Uh, it may have accelerated a few pieces of it, but coming out of it now, uh, firms need to really be looking at that transformation differently and how they're going to operate it well into the future. And as we talk about it, really t being strategic in putting steps in place for the transformation, not just saying we're going to throw a body at it to make it happen. Well, you were so bold as to say that accountants have been using the pandemic as an excuse to change when they should have been getting ahead of this sure. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, uh, just talking about remote work, the number of firms who are unprepared for their people to just be at home to be able to work and operate the way that they are and mm. scrambling to get there, there were a lot of firms who were already prepared for it and they were farther ahead than many of their competitors because of that. What is the secret to a firm that is ahead of the game? Does that come from the top down or is it uh, the more open to external forces driving change? There's a, a variety of issues at play currently. Yes, it's leadership. Uh, the, the things that get in the way, I think, are governance a lot of times. So a lot of firms are still thinking that you know, one partner, one book, uh, one vote, one say, and if it's a partner inside of five years, I'm sorry, it's just human nature. They're going to think differently than what's in the best interest of the firm to, to go forward. If the firm wants to be out here for 20 years, they have to make investment today. If I'm retiring in five, I'm thinking a little differently in how the firm should invest. Yeah, and you spoke a, a lot about the the broken model, perhaps, of accounting firms, the business model. Just expand on that a bit for our listeners. It is, and I start. I think you're really starting to see the, the number of firms who are interested in an alternative model, why private equity has become so interesting to a lot of firms, a lot of the larger firms. Uh, but as an example, we have uh, two of our firms currently are private equity owned, and in both cases, the number of firms inquiring of them about purchase has erupted because wow. of it. Other firms interested in a newer model. And the, the governance model, it, yeah, it, it has to change. More of a corporate model, have a CEO in place, have a governing board, not just every partner show up to make a vote. What is attracting private equity into accounting? I, it's, you talk about steady flow of cash. I mean, uh, there, there is no better business, I think, from a cash flow perspective inside of what we do. We're our own worst enemy when it comes to cash flow, thinking we're going to get paid from our clients in arrears, but our clients, you know what, they, they pay their bills on time. Uh, we continually see this annual renewal rate of the things that we do and this expansion into additional advisory. A lot of firms are able to do that because of the trust level we've built in the profession, in audit, in tax, that is able to expand. So as private equity says, well, gee, you know, these, these accountancy firms, they're out here beating up on these advisory firms all day, every day. We should look at that marketplace because it's a pretty steady stream of income. Yeah. You mentioned advisory. You've got a lot to say on this. You've, you've done a lot of research into it. It is the big opportunity for firms. Perhaps they're not grasping it like they should do. Everybody's heads down. Everybody's so busy <laughs> with yeah. everything else. They're saying, you know, don't talk to me about advisory. I don't barely have enough time to get done what I need to get mm -hmm. done. You know, we talk to our member firms and I have a pricing consultant that's in talking to our firms all the time. One of the big things we discuss is that transformation in pricing, allowing the client to automatically know what it is that we're going to do, 
by pricing it differently. So good, better, best pricing and getting that advisory built into that third tier and a little bit into the second tier. It limits scope creep so that firms aren't offering, providing more than they should be given what was agreed upon, but also gets the client thinking about the advisory differently too. Do you feel, you're a very straight talker, Mark, you shoot from the hip. Do you feel accountancy has an image problem? Our own? Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's an image problem with our clients. Our clients, and this was proven in the pandemic, I have talked about being the trusted advisor forever and a day. When the pandemic hit, who did these businesses call first? Yeah. They called their accountant and said, what do I do? Yeah. Right? And so to me, that is just proof that we're the ultimate trusted advisor. The question is, have we leveraged that with our clients? Are we getting paid for it? Are we providing the level of service that we need to? You know, I had a great example from years past. Uh, I had a friend of mine who has a, a beer and wine store. He expands, he's gonna move to another city and he's gonna start his own craft brewery, very popular in the US. So in the craft brewery, I said, well, wait a minute. I, and we're in North Carolina. I said, wait a minute, I have a, a CPA friend down in Florida who is an expert in craft breweries, that's all he does. I said, you should talk to him. He says, I don't need to talk to him. He says, I have a, a great, great CPA out west who's helping me through this process. Okay. He says, I see her and I talk to her more than I see my tax accountant who's two miles down the road. Wow. And that's because of the virtual environment and the expertise, and she's taken that trusted advisor role, that tax accountant didn't even see it coming, wow. right? And that's the difference in the conversation. Yeah, the, the thing about the trusted advisor status is maybe businesses went to their accountants because there was no one else to go to. The banker wasn't around, the lawyer wasn't around, nobody was getting close to the client, so maybe by default, accountants became the trusted advisor. Or has that been a little unfair on them? No, I think uh, no, I think always the the CPA first and foremost, just because of the natural relationship that's been there. I don't know that the banker's ever been there, at least in the U.S. marketplace. Maybe the wealth advisors, wealth so wealth advisor, management. Yeah. yeah, you know they're starting to figure this out. Banks are starting to figure this out that yeah. the customer relationship is paramount, and so now you start to see wealth management firms and banks starting to offer tax compliance because they want the whole relationship. And so they're starting to pull away from the accountant uh, to be able to offer that one-stop shop. And the firms have to look out for that. Well, accounting firms that want to get into wealth management, it's not as easy as just saying, let's start some wealth management. They make some mistakes there, don't they? Huge. Uh, you know what, my old firm, they're close to, I think, about a billion under management now. Uh, and we decided years and years ago, we were in a recessionary environment. We were in what was called Rust Belt, that a lot of manufacturing plants closing down. A lot of our clients who were manufacturers and retailers, they were selling to overseas interests. So we said, well, how do we stay cradle to grave with the client? And we said we need to offer wealth management. So we actually went out, we developed a system or we, we bought a system from someone. Then we went out and hired the individual to run it. 100% of their time saying, you know, this is a startup business. They have five years to make money at this versus other firms will say, well, we should be in wealth management. So let's pick our least chargeable tax partner and put them in charge of it and say, in your spare time, go develop this business. And they never do. Well, who has spare time? That's right. And yeah. so, you know, then they would say, well, we tried that and it didn't work for us. Well, but you didn't try it quite, th that transformation. We talked about early on, the number of steps to transformation. 
And any new lines of service like this, it's a startup business. How can we expect them to make money in day one? They are going to need three to five years to create profitability, but if you have a partner now within five years of retirement, you now tell them that a chunk of his change is going to be affected by a losing business that we're going to have in two years, they're not as apt to do it. I'm just thinking that the millennials and the Gen Zs coming in as well, do they want to pay for the retirement of that partner? That's not a model they, they want to buy into. That's why it? private equity comes in and they yeah. say, we're going to buy out the retirement, we're going to cut everyone's comp, and you new partners, five years from now, we're probably going to sell the practice again, and when we do, you're going to get paid. Yeah. And when we do it five years again, you'll get paid, and it's just a much different model. Now, a few years ago, we could perhaps put a finger on what best practice was in any particular area. It's so hard to define now, isn't it? So is it possible that we could have a disruption-proof accounting firm as we come out of the pandemic? I think they're all fairly disruption-proof now. Even, even the firms that have struggled with that governance piece, they can limp along right. and still be fine until those partners are ready to retire there and there's nobody behind them to buy them out. And then they sell the practice and then that's it. But you know, it, we are, I think, as a profession, fairly recessionary proof. I don't right. want to say it's completely sheltered, but typically we are the last to go into a recession and the first to come out. And because of that, the, the timeline that any recession has had an effect on the accounting profession has been relatively small. That's a great point. But does that in turn make accountancy complacent? in the way they see the disruptors? No doubt. I mean, that's uh, no complacency, doubt. <laughs> probably our greatest enemy, right? And so, and it, this is what, I've heard this from firms over the years, they're like, you know, you know, yeah, but I'm making more money than I ever thought I would. <laughs> I'm busier than I've ever been. Yeah, and yeah. I say, okay, you're making more than you thought you would, but are you making as much as you can? That's good. And that's the difference is that, and you know, they don't, I guess they don't want to be, they love their clients. They are, you know, your, your client becomes your friend, uh, your family member, you're at all the weddings, yeah. the funerals, the bar mitzvahs, you're at, you know, all of these things and you grow up with those clients, but at some point it's still a business relationship yeah. and we have to understand that. We have to try and profit from it if we want the next generation who they're not their friends to come in and be able to do the work. We have a big black hole with talent, don't we, Mark? We know that the accountants leaving, the boomers, yep. uh, they're moving on, retiring, dying. We know that they're not being replaced. You have a wonderful business model that you've done with the IACPA. Yep. On it's not a pyramid shape, but it's a cut-off diamond shape. Talk yep. to us a little bit about that. Yeah, flat-bottom uh, diamond. And we've been talking about this actually for over 10 years, right? And that's why I say pandemic has nothing to do with it. The great resignation that everyone wants to talk about, maybe it's accelerated a little bit of it, yeah. but you know, technology replacement at the lowest level, the things that, to be honest, young accountants never wanted to do anyway. The tech, the automation, the repetitive tasks. Yeah, get the rid of it. Stuff. Yeah. Or outsourcing. And that's the thing, we're seeing a lot of outsourcing, you know, uh, UK, Australia, US, all your English speaking have tons of resources in India, the Philippines, South Africa, to make that happen. And so, replacing that talent with being able to outsource it or replace it with technology, absolutely. And then that middle tier becomes, the manager level becomes the, the beef of the firm. And we're gonna grab those people out of industry to come into the audit, but we gotta be in an attractive practice. We gotta show ownership, we gotta make it worthwhile, and bringing them in can make a big difference. Yeah. So that's gonna to continue to transform. You've had a prime role over the years, Mark, with the ICPA. 
who has the ear of accountants these days? Who are accountants listening to? Is it the professional associations? Is it the networks and alliances? Is it the gurus? Is it the vendors? Who are accountants actually listening to? Hopefully to all of the above. I mean, okay. as part of the transformation that we've tried at Alineal Global, and I think it's working, that, and in some of our hiring, that we're hiring professionals who've come out of firms, and we've said, keep your ear to the ground because our member firms are busy, we need to, to show them. We had, a, we had a speaker a couple of years ago and um, one of the firms came up to me and they're like, she's fantastic, like where'd you find her? And I'm like, at every conference in the, in the profession <laughs> because she's just been around Where and that's what been? she does, yeah. and exactly. And they're, you know what, they're just so busy. So that becomes our job, I think to understand these technology companies that are here and what they provide in some type of a strategic partnership to the thought leaders, and I sit on a number of thought leader related groups where people are talking about things on a regular basis. And then, you know, I think all the, pro the, the professional member bodies have something to offer in thought leadership to their member firms if they're listening. And I think the associations, the regional directors, that's where we rely on our regional directors to find that information uh, around the world as well. What would you say, Mark, to perhaps some cynical people that say accountants are never going to change unless it's mandated by law or regulation? <laughs> They've said it directly to me as we <laughs> talked about transformative things. So, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I've said uh, a number of years ago when we were talking to about transformation, and I said, you know, if I wanted to eliminate uh, a, a group of accountants, let's say in a particular state, it's all I need to do is convince three of them to jump off a bridge. Okay. And then you're going to get, you know, 50% <laughs> of the rest of the room to jump off too, because it must have been a good idea. Yep. It always takes one, and I think we have, like any bell-shaped curve of your early adopters to your laggards and the like, we as a profession have that, uh, probably inside of our own firms, but there are firms that have started with uh, being transformative. Those are our uh, innovators, early adopters. We have a couple of them inside of Alineal. We have a couple other firms who say, you know what, I'm not quite ready. I don't want to be on the bleeding edge. I want to be on the edge. Yeah. And that's okay too. So as long as we keep transforming and adopting and then allowing that to get to the other firms, that's the big thing and we'll, we'll make the change. Why did the audit across the road? Right. Because it's what they did last year. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's that game, isn't it? What That's excites it. you most about Alineal Global, Mark? You, you're running a terrific organization there. You talked earlier about the great people around you. Yeah. Exciting, but challenging times? It is, yeah. I mean, trying to get our firms to transform again, it's just a lot of them are doing very well. And I've kidded with our firms and said for to every one of them, I want to double their dues in five years. And the only way I could do that is if they double their revenues. Right. And so let's figure that out. And so the commerce piece, and you've met Oscar Demerdovens yeah. here, he's our new EVP he's of overcommerce. Yeah. It has been just erupting globally. I mean, we have things, we, we have firms calling with 10 market opportunities at the same time. Goodness we have firms me. calling for tax opportunities here and audit opportunities there, and it's just, it is so fun to watch that because we are a global economy today, no matter what some others may think, that we absolutely have to focus on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, watching the growth in commerce inside of our firms has been great. You mentioned audit, Mark, you brought it up. Yep. It's in a bit of a mess, isn't it? Nah, we, it'll get there. You know, there's, there's some transformative projects out there. I was involved in it in the US. Um, 
you know, people want to blame the auditor for a variety of things, and the UK is still going through and trying to figure out what they want to do from a regulatory standpoint. But you know, as long as people understand what the audit does yeah. and what it's there to do, uh, you know, it's it's still a great profession. It's I started off as an auditor. I believe that I learned so much through that. I think there's a lot of opportunity, and firms are still doing well with it. Is it growing like advisory? No, but. Back to my comment earlier, it's all, you know, that trust factor is built there, so we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We need that audit, we need that trust in the market yeah. to prove who we are. Got it, couple more questions. Yeah. You're a very passionate guy, Mark. You show no signs of slowing down. You're on the wrong side of 40, you must be. I am. What would you do if I gave you an extra five hours in your day? Extra five hours, wow. Um, you know, so a lot of, I, I would just end up meeting with even more member firms. Right. I mean, there's, I feel like- That I've, stokes you, doesn't it? It that? does, yeah. I, you know, and when I first started with Alineal, we were right in the middle of the pandemic. So I said, okay, I want to meet with every firm. And I actually had the opportunity to do that better than if I'd say I was going to go out and travel to all these firms. So I met with, I invited every member firm, 240 firms, wow. invited all of them for an hour, two hour meet and greet. And the way I managed my schedule was, you know, so I'm based in the U.S., so U.S. was easy, and that's where our greatest concentration of firms might be, but I did, you know, U.S., Latin America, I kind of kept in, in the middle of everything. And then one week it was uh, Europe, Africa, and U.S. So I'd start with Europe at four in the morning, wow. and finish somewhere around seven or eight at night. And then the next week was, U.S., Latin America, Asia Pacific, where I would start with the U.S. in the morning and finish somewhere around one, two o'clock in the morning with the, the Asia Pacific firms. So it kind of it was kind of cool. It was able to work out the calendar in a different it's way. It's not sustainable long term. It's was not, it to no, do that? No, no. But, but what, it was fun. What did that do for your relationships with your members? I think it helped a ton. Um, you know, and and we constantly are checking in now, and actually giving even our regional directors even more autonomy to be out there meeting with our members, making sure we have a regional director for every firm that they're able to meet with that can interact with them in a different way. Yeah. It can't just be about me meeting with the firm. Uh, so I'm getting out to our conferences and things, but Oscar's been a man on a mission to be traveling everywhere. He's going out with the regional directors and it's been an even bigger support system so we can divide and conquer the world. Uh, versus trying to concentrate in just a couple markets. Yeah, Osgo's a great signing, as you say, a great oh, draft pick. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you talk to your peers a lot. You're very well respected in the Alliance Association Network space. We know there's consolidation going on with accounting firms and even fintech. What can you tell us about your space? <laughs> it's an interesting We're space. We're on the record, so you don't need yeah. to name names, but you, you know of conversations, and I'm sure you're having Completely. them too. It, and we are, and you know, it's got to be the right alignment, I think. And there was a little bit of consolidation that happened back 10, 15, year, 15 years ago, I want to say, with a couple of them. The, the challenge has always been, you know, these independent boards that are in each one of these associations and networks. Sure. So not only do you have to convince the global board, but then each of the individual regional boards. And now it becomes a, a matter of ownership and what does that look like? And I was there for the, on the member body side with AICPA and SEMA coming together yeah. jointly. And that was, that was not easy. And you had both member organizations had to have a member vote 
to make that happen. And I think the same challenge and struggles inside the association and network. Well, we've seen it with the firms, GHD, BKD, our friend Matt Snow, now, yeah. now at Forbes. So we've seen it happen with the big firms. So might we then see a few more amalgamations, if you like, in the, the Network Association Alliance space? It's possible, it's harder. Um, yeah, I There's just, a lot of politics and agendas involved, as you say. Less politics in the firms being able to do that. Yeah, you have to realize, you know, like the BKD DHG merger, they have been incredibly friendly with each other for yeah. a long time, and even inside the association network. So they're both members of Praxity, so they're both remaining in that. Yeah, we see this a lot in the consolidation inside of Alinea, yeah. and because these firms are have that great familiarity, there's a greater chance of success in a merger if that were to happen. Yeah. You pull that out of, all of a sudden, let's say, a lineal and there's another firm association out there, both sides are going to say, well, wait a minute, we both have these firms in London and we both have these firms in South Africa, and so how are we going to make that happen? And these two firms don't like each other over in this market. And, <laughs> you know, so now all, of us, all that duplication versus what you're seeing and there's some natural synergies in two firms merging that becomes harder in uh, the association network. You're running a daycare nursery there, aren't you? Trying to make everyone get along. That's, um, <laughs> they typically, the firms get along incredibly well. If we were to bring in a new dynamic of a new association, things might change in between yeah. that. What excites you most about the next few years for you and Alineo Global, Mark? I think our continued growth uh, is going to be absolutely exciting. Um, I think the opportunities for our member firms, the more we're helping them to survive, uh, transform, uh, become new leaders in the profession, all of those things put together is what excites me. It's our member success. I yeah. just love watching their success and hoping that in some way we were a part of making that happen. Yeah, and finally, just panning out from Alineo Global, Let's say I made you the worldwide czar of accounting. <laughs> so you're in charge of everything. Right, you I already thought I was, I'm not. <laughs> I think you're mostly in charge yeah. of everything, but let's say I gave you the mandate of the accounting profession over the whole world. What one or two things would be top of your agenda? They, and they currently are now. I mean, as I look at my, making sure that there is some level of access to technology, to outsourcing globally in all of the markets. I think that's first and foremost to give everyone, every firm, some level of success around that based on what we see. That's number one. Uh, prioritization, I would argue on this too. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is still very top of my list. You know, seeing the number of, let's say in the, on the gender side, the number of females that enter firms versus the number of females leading firms yeah. is just a, just a lot of concentration in that and I would, completely, I've had argumentative conversations with members who may not see it the same way. This has happened over a number of years, not just at Alineal, but even at AICPA. So I think DE&I is a absolute critical. We need to look like the community that we serve, and I don't know that as a profession we do currently. That's really important to me. Is ESG so. on your agenda? I know you're big on that as well, environmental, social as governance. All the service lines, so ESG, mm. CAS, you know, all those pieces that we continue to do, making sure the transformative pieces are there, but making sure in ESG that we could actually own that piece as a profession. And I think the IFRS Foundation, and I think consolidation of some of the uh, ESG-related standard setters has been healthy. 
Uh, and I do think we'll be able to grab that market. We're going to continue to push our firms. Well, that. you're hired. You're the emperor of accounting nice. worldwide. You start on Monday. Excellent. <laughs> Mark Koziel from Alineo Global. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, that Mark. was excellent. Good to see you. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Sponsored by Dext.